Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C. We welcome anyone to come in and join us and uh, discuss the Tao and the Tao Te Ching with us, how it relates to recovery. I'd like to welcome Craig. M and Kate E and Marla H and Kirsty S. Thank you for y'all being here today. We're going to have a good discussion today about really how to apply this 37th uh, chapter, the Tao Te Ching. Oh, and the email, Marla. What is what's our email? It's uh, wisdom five two six at gmail dot com. Wisdom five two six at gmail dot com. If you Got a question, comment, topic you want discussed relating to the Tao? We're happy to oblige and see what we can do to 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 share some recovery. So let's uh, let's start with a moment of silence and get get centered today. Find some that emptiness that's there waiting on us all the time. All right, could have just kept going today. <laughs> I didn't get my meditation time in this morning, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm hunting for it anywhere I can find it. <laughs> All right, last week we talked all about the 37th chapter and had some really good good discussion, and we didn't get through, so we decided to come back this week and talk some more and see how we can apply this um, in some everyday life circumstances. Kate, Kate, you still want to talk about some things that you were trying to apply this to today? Sure, yeah. Okay, well, we'll get to that after we uh, – I think we're going to go ahead and read again just to get everybody on the same page. So, Kate, you want to read for us, dear? I do, yeah. Okay. First translation. Tao abides in non-action, yet nothing is left undone. If kings and lords observed this, the 10,000 things would develop naturally. If they still desired to act, they would return to the simplicity of formless substance. Without form, there is no desire. Without desire, there is tranquility. And in this way, all things would be at peace. Second translation. The Tao never does anything, yet through it all things are done. If powerful men and women could venture themselves in it, the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. People would be content with their simple everyday lives in harmony and free of desire. When there is no desire, all things are at peace. Third translation. The highest good is not to seek to do good, to allow yourself to become it. The ordinary person seeks to do good things and finds that they cannot do them continually. The master does not force virtue on others, thus she is able to accomplish her task. The ordinary person who uses force will find that they accomplish nothing. The kind person acts from the heart and accomplishes a multitude of things. The righteous person acts out of pity, yet leaves many things undone. The moral person will act out of duty, and when no one will respond, will roll up his sleeves and use force. When the Tao is forgotten, there is righteousness. When righteousness is forgotten, there is morality. When morality is forgotten, there is the law. The law is the husk of faith, and trust is the beginning of chaos. Our basic understandings are not from the Tao because they come from the depths of our misunderstanding. The master abides in the fruit and not in the husk. She dwells in the Tao and not with the things that hide it. This is how she increases in wisdom. Final translation. Tao never does anything but nothing is left undone. If our leaders could get in touch with Tao, the world would take care of itself. Even if they wanted to impose their own ideas, they'd be drawn back to the Tao's nameless simplicity. When our lives are that simple, we want for nothing. We can relax, and the world becomes a better place. 
Comments? I see a lot of patience in that. I think in this day and age, we look for a lot of instant gratification. Things will happen. Computers and that, and basically in our pockets. And the Dow abides in non-action, but things get done. That's because it just waits on things to get done naturally. Everything happens in its own time. There's no point in forcing it because it's not going to do any good. Um, so I see a lot of patience in that. Um, the other thing that spoke to me, because I've actually listened to last week's meeting twice, and the thing that jumped out to me was the um, the master does not force virtue on others, um, thus she's able to accomplish her tasks. I see a lot of um, doing the next right thing in that sort of in that comment, um, not pushing your opinions on other people's uh, in other people's lives, but basically letting them basically nurturing them along themselves, let them find the answers, but, but kind of guide them. I was thinking about uh, how this is talking about these natural rhythms, this natural path. It's not a forced path. And there's two, two of the translations talk about that in an interesting way. The second one says in the uh, second stanza, if powerful men and women would uh, venture themselves in it, uh, the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. Transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. Then the last uh, translation says, um, even if they wanted to impose their own ideas, they'd be drawn back to the Tao, the Tao's nameless simplicity. So even when you want to get off course, if you're trying to live this and doing the principles that are talked about here, you'll be drawn back on your own to the right things. Like water, you know, flowing down the stream, you know, eventually, you know, sometimes maybe it may go here and there, but it get, you know, it continues to move down the stream as long as long as it's there in the flow, you know, and it may go over here and bounce around a minute and then catch the current and come back, you know, all those things, you know, and just I think the same kind of thing. The problem is how do we get into that flow? How do we let things start happening naturally? That's where we were at last week, I think, mm-hmm. was how do we do that? I, I believe, in just my experience, that you have to have a connection to something like nature or something like the universe that is the natural way that tells you how to do it. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, the third translation, the very first stanza says, the highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. Mm -hmm. So what, what we have to do really, in my opinion, is we have to allow ourselves to become good. Then if we become good, whatever our natural inclination is going to be the right thing. Seems like that's the way it works. Yeah. So the question is, how do we allow ourselves to become good? I know it seems seems super simple, but it's what the, the dig in the ditch, you know, it's it's a, a simple thing, but it's not easy. The way I see allowing myself really goes with if I'm looking at it from a recovery perspective, uh, if I'm applying 12-step recovery, it'd be the first three steps. Mm-hmm. Establishing a connection. And surrendering to that connection. Yes. Yes. Surrendering. is That's the main thing. Letting go. <laughs> Letting go, surrendering in more areas of my life, turning my will in my life over to the care of this higher power that I truly misunderstand more than understand. Like wasn't there something in here about misunderstanding? There was a uh, quote, uh, let's see, what was it? Oh yeah. Our basic understandings are not from the Tao. 
This is in the third translation near the bottom. Uh, not from the Tao, because they come from the depths of our misunderstanding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> truly is the God of my misunderstanding, not the God of my understanding. <laughs> truly, truly is. Right. And so I have to just accept that I don't understand. I don't have this thing figured out. And I have to be okay with that. And that's total opposite of my, I want to know everything. I was the, I was the kid that before he would play the pinball machine, he would read the instructions so he would know how to win. <laughs> Forget trying it. I want to know what to do before I do it. I mean, at eight years old, that was me. I mean, did y'all, if you ever played pinball, did you read the instructions? Most kids just go up and start playing. So, oh, that's fun. You know, and I'm, no, it's not fun. I got to win. Yeah, no, never. <laughs> I'm not winning. It's not fun. Just play it for the sake of playing. No, uh-uh. I got to win. I got to have the high score. I got to beat everybody. And the way I do that is by understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how happy were you? <laughs> I was happy when I won, I thought. <laughs> when I beat everybody and had my initials up there. You know? <laughs> yeah. I kind of have an example of a similar situation. So at work, I have to lead these groups. And I'm not, I'm not bad at leading the group. But I feel like I'm not, like, amazing at leading the group. <laughs> and I like to be – I like to go and do something and then be really, really good at it. That's what I like to do. And I'm not, like – I don't go in there, lead these 16 people in their recovery, and it's not always, like, 100% completely wonderfully successful. And that's what I want it to be like. And, you know, I was – And I think it's making me feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm horrible at my job. And I went in and talked to them about it, and they're like, you're fine at leading groups. You're good, and you're going to get better slowly over time as you have more practice at it. So don't worry about it. And But I'm really worried about it, you know? (laughs) I can't, like, I think about it a lot, and I'm like, no, they have, and they're like, it depends on the client. Some of them don't want to be there. Some of them aren't going to engage with your group because they, they don't want to be in treatment. They're being forced here. You know, it depends on the day. Sometimes people are going to go with it. Sometimes they're not. You know, it depends. You're going to get better over time. You're going to learn how to deal with it better over time. So I have to be patient over time and get better slowly, but I don't want to. I want to be really good right now. Setting the bar high. But, I mean, this is kind of like a, like, I can't just make myself better immediately. And I worry about it, like, a lot. But it's one of those things that it's not going to, it's not doing me any good to sit here worrying about it all the time. No, it isn't. And I'm only going to get better through practicing it. I mean, I can, I've been reading books on how to lead groups and stuff, but that's not really helping me either. I actually have to do it to get better at it. Practice. Right. Yeah. Don't set the bar so high, you know, like get being perfect at it right at the get right out of the gate. You know, it's practice. Well, you know, Kate, you're never going to be perfect at leading groups. I don't know anyone that would be perfect at that. Um, first of all, there's some things you can apply in that to everything. Are you having, are you leading a group right now? The answer is no. No. So I would hold my concern until I was leading the group. I would tell myself, I'm not leading. Are you leading a group in the next hour, two hours? When's the next time you lead a group? Not till Saturday. Okay. So when you start, going through your head about it, first thing I would do is try to be more in the moment about leading the group. Well, I don't have to be concerned about it today. I'm prepared. I can be concerned about it Saturday. (laughs) Not worry about it till Saturday. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's 
That's because Buddy switches his phone off on a Saturday. You can't phone him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, what what good is it going to help you to be worried about it on Thursday when your meeting's on Saturday? Your worry's not going to help, right? Right. Right. I know it doesn't. So, so it's a good practice. Well, this is a good help for you in everything to learn to be in the moment. I had the same thing. I had some uh, financial issues with a with a business I had years and years ago, and I was having to watch the money every day and call the bank to make sure we had money in all the accounts. Uh, I knew the lady on a first name basis, and I called her every day at ten till two in the afternoon to see if I had to shift any money around. This went on for several months. Um, and I realized even then, you know, I've got that handled for today, so I don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. I've done everything I can do. I can't do any more. So the next day I would be concerned about it. So I was learning even then, this was, gosh, almost 20 years ago, I was learning even then to try to keep it in the moment, keep it in the day kind of thing. So that's the first thing I would do. Kirsty, you have a comment? It's I'm it's something I am notoriously um I don't want to use self-deprecating um language. I was going to say poor at, but I I'm learning, I'm still learning, that's the best way of putting it. Um because one, I like instant gratification. Two, I like everything to be perfect. Three, I like to be better than other people. Um, All of the above. All of the above. Um, And when you said about, you know, reading the instructions on the pinball machine, yeah, if I, if I, you know, if, if I, if I knew there was something else I could do, I would find out exactly what that was so that I could then improve. And, and to a certain extent, I continue to a lesser degree to this day because like you were saying Kate you know when I was at work I'd read books and I'd try and ingest lots of information and actually that just made it worse because I was so I was just on it all of the time and it was like I was switched on all of the time and so I couldn't I couldn't let go and that is exhausting absolutely exhausting um and even now as soon as I get an idea in my head about something that I want to do, I can't, this idea of flow, sometimes I can do it, and other times I just get myself in a right tiz. Um, because, again, I want, it to happen to, I want it to happen now, and I want other people to want to, it to happen now with me, because then I'm not fighting against people and going, why don't you want to do it? As we do, as you, ultimately, between between partners and spouses, and I'm sure other people can appreciate the dynamic. Um, and um, it it's knowing when to apply it. Um, I know when I'm not um, because I feel like shit and I feel angry and I get pissed off. And and now is one of those moments. Um, and I don't know what it is, but I know it's because I'm thinking about a million different things all at once, none of which are life-threatening or important. And to be perfectly honest, I don't need to think about them today, right now, right at this moment. Um, these holidays are coming up. I have two and a half weeks with my children, and that in itself is enough to send me into mental chaos. Um and um yes so i'm sorting out everybody else's responsibilities social calendars and i'm not even putting any time aside for myself um and that's what i need to do yep. anyway there you go that's my comment for today <laughs> <laughs> i think what's yeah. most frustrating is that you have to watch your own children yes. <laughs> that's why we send them to school. i didn't have children so i could watch them I had children so I could send them to school and spend some me time. <laughs> Wait till they get older, guys. You'll miss that time. Mm. Yes, you will. You North will. North the pen, <laughs> You will. I went and had lunch with my daughter yesterday over at, she's in college over at UGA. And 
And so first time I'd seen her in weeks, used to hang out with her all the time when she was little. So yeah, that's, um, you'll miss those days, but, um, back to the moment. I, I have a thought though. Oh, yeah. So Kate is, um, because, yeah, because I've had those thoughts uh, about many, many things, especially being a yoga teacher, you know, I had to be great right at the outset, but it takes practice. But, um, it was changing the dialogue in my head again of me setting the bar really, really high that I had to be as good as my teacher. Um, and, you know, having expectations of myself that were, that are really not um, realistic, you know, because I needed to practice teaching in order to become better at it. Not great at it, but better at it. Um, so it was changing the dialogue, not being so hard on myself, you know, not that self-dialogue of, God, I'm so bad at this. You know, why can't I be better? That, that I changed that in my head of, you know, I'm, I'm good enough for now, for today. It, it, you know, it takes practice to start thinking like that, but, but it will work. It will eventually work. Yeah, that's in my experience. What I've done is changing the dialogue of not from not being good or good enough and setting the bar really high to, you know, I know more than my students know. So, you know, they're looking at me. So that's all I can do. You know, be yourself. It's hard to take. I mean, and I do get quite a bit of positive feedback from work. It's just that's not, that can kind of bounces off and I focus on like, Oh, but I did that wrong, and oh, I could have done that better. Hey, Kate, when you go into the meeting, what is your heart's desire? Is your heart's desire to help the people that are there, or is it for you to be this wonderful leader? I mean, the point of it is to help those guys. I want to help them the most that I can. Yes. Yes. And if you keep that as your motivation – in my thinking, if we're talking about applying this uh, being good idea, that is the good, is how do I show love in this situation? And from what you're talking about, and I came up with a couple of questions to ask in those situations. <laughs> One, from this, learning to act from the heart, learning that will that will help me to give the good response. Um, put myself in their shoes, how they would want to be treated, what they need, yeah. rather than what I need. If you're talking about applying it to your to the meeting that you're in, uh, you know, and asking yourself, if you were in their situation, what would you need? And providing what you would need, you know, is a good help in that. I like it. Uh, um, and I thought about how a wild animal, if you're ever trying to help a wild animal and your intention is all to help and how they fight and want to bite and respond to that in, a, in an aggressive way when really – what they need is love from you, not not a pushback to their aggressiveness. So a lot of times we get in those situations, I think, and what we see is an aggressiveness. This can be with anything, but really there's a fear under that or there's something under that. There, Instead of mirroring what they're doing, we can provide what they need more. Does that make sense? Yeah. And also, how now you sponsor uh, in in NA you sponsor women, right? Yeah. That's, okay. How do you approach sponsorship? Do you get stressed like this about sponsorship? Sponsorship goes pretty well for me. What's your attitude about sponsorship? I'm trying to help people the best way I can. And do you exactly? Okay, so do you, in sponsorship, do you feel you're responsible for that person's sobriety? I mean, they are responsible for their 
recovery. I'm trying to help them. Exactly. And this is, I know this is not the same because I mean, you're, you're leading a meeting for the, uh, for the rehab, but there is an aspect of that there too, in that if you can let go and let God, you know, kind of lead you in that in the same way you do with a sponsee, then that might help. That's the way I would approach it if it were me. I know, I know it's a little different, but yeah. it's still a lot the same because you're sharing recovery. Right. So if you can tap that power that's greater than you that brought you recovery, if you can tap your experience in some way with that, you know, so that you share what's within you in, in, your, in your job, that, that would be all the better. You know, it would, for me, it would make it easier if, if I could tap that some way and not think it was all up to my mental abilities and my knowledge and my understanding to share a good meeting with them. I don't know. That's how I would try to approach it, not knowing anything about mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Does that help? Or Yeah. I, I would be powerless over it, too, no matter what it is we're talking about, even if it was something that wasn't like your job. If your job had nothing to do with recovery at all, I would try to approach powerlessness in that the same way that I approach powerlessness with my alcohol because I could not stop drinking until I surrendered that. But once I was fully surrendered, it all started working. So I had to let go of the control. Similar. If you're talking about Tao stuff, there's a, there's an example of that. The master accepts what comes to her like a, like something floating down a stream Let's say I'm out in the stream, waist deep, and something's flowing that I that I that that I don't push it away, and I use it while it's in my presence, but I don't try to hold on to it when it starts to float away either. <laughs> you know, you I, there's two anks there. You know, the one of pushing something away that I don't want, and the other of trying to hold on to something that I don't want to leave. So learning to be in that that flow. And the same way with business or like that for me would be, okay, I'm powerless over this. I'm just going to accept what comes to me and let it pass on by and expect whatever else I need to be there and kind of relax with it in the same way that you did with your, uh, with drugs and alcohol and tap that same powerlessness. That's how I would try to, that's how I would try to look at it. Yeah. And remind myself I'm powerless over giving these people what they need. It's not important what I look look like in this meeting. What's important is they get what they need. Help me give them what they need. Right. I'm powerless over that. Yeah. And I think if you focused on that, the rest of it would fall into place probably. I don't know. You know, that's that's how I would approach it. Okay. Y'all have any other comments? On that, yeah, I think, I think just in the just in the, the subject of powerlessness, I think it's important to remember that we don't have all the answers. It's, uh, we don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's why you were here, Craig, was to give us the answers. That's not I why you're here. The answers. The only the only person that has all the answers is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where is she? We need her here again, Craig. <laughs> Put her in the meetings. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, I think realizing we don't have all the answers. Just we talking about the going into the meetings and and just things not going the way that they should go or not being as confident as you should do. I, I used to have that when I when I started taking the Taekwondo classes. When I started teaching, um, I was in the exact same boat. I didn't think I was. A, I didn't think I was a very good teacher. Right. I, I didn't think I was good at. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't think I was good at doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and what I'm there to do is I'm, I'm there to empower people to to do a martial art. Um, and, and I would always sit and analyse the classes afterwards and think, do you know what, I really wanted to do this, I wanted to do that. But then I would sit back and think, do you know what, we can always get back to that next time. The people, the, the main thing that I get from teaching these is I, I don't really structure a class, I don't really plan much. I know, I know what the kids have got to do in, in the syllabus, but 
I need to make sure that they're doing it in an environment that they're comfortable in. It's an environment that they're going to learn from. And I do it in an environment they're actually going to benefit from as well, rather than think, do you know what? He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I like to go in and just become collective and just say, right, this this is what we're doing today and this is how we're going to do it. And sometimes I actually need to let the kids lead me as well. I think it's important to realise that I'm not just a... I, th- I think being part of a leader is just being able to take advice and follow people as well. Um, and I find that I find that some of my best classes are the ones where the kids lead me into what they want to do. I like that. Yeah. And just on the on the perfection, I've got a new friend, the Dalai Lama. The last time, last time, I, last time I spoke to you, I was talking about the Book of Joy. Well, I actually sat and read it, and I highlight I highlighted quite a bit of it as well. Um, and he was talking about perfection. Um, and he says, um, "You're made for perfection, but you're not perfect yet." You're a masterpiece in the making. Yeah. Craig brought out a good point that we talked about a second before too, Kate. If I approach whatever I'm doing from the standpoint of what can I do to help them rather than what can I do to help me in this? Mm -hmm. Like if you're stressed all over doing a perfect meeting, I Quite honestly, I don't think you'll ever do a perfect meeting. Um, I don't know who could do that. I think the perfect meeting is the one where I, I guess the idea of what a perfect meeting is may need to change too. Yeah. What is a perfect meeting. It would probably be the one where people get what they need, even if it doesn't look perfect to you as far as. I said this, I responded like this, I had all the right answers, I had, you know, all those things that you go through in your head from someone on the outside looking at the structure and the the dialogue of the meeting that's not in recovery even may say, well, you should have said this, or what if you, you know, what if, you know, and back and forth and all of that kind of thing that goes on in your head. But I think if you go with the intent of, God, how can I help? these guys what can i say or what can i facilitate that will help them if you start from there i better unfold the way it needs to then you'll be happier yeah and more gratified and satisfied with yourself too Mm -hmm. so so really we're talking about lowering expectations lowering lowering our own expectations not setting the bar so high of ourselves Mm -hmm. and expecting perfection when there's no such thing yeah, well, we all know that as 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 people in recovery, we're we're the ones that are hardest on ourselves. Absolutely, we're always going to sit and overanalyze things, and unless we actually sit down and talk about it, it's going to eat us up and eat us up, and we're going to find less joy in what we're actually doing. Well, really, change. We're really talking about a total change in what we think our job is. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about according to like what Kate's talking about, because in my thinking, your job is not to do a perfect meeting. Your job is to help them. I think it's hard because I want them to, I want them all to get recovery and not die of addiction. (laughs) So I want to be able to like impart any kind of help I can to them. So I want to do it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. I know. That's not going to happen, honey. I know it's not going to happen, but that's what I want to have happen. But you know what, though? Just like with you, you needed everything that's happened to this point to get you to where you are, correct? Yeah. Just like I needed to struggle for six years in and out, in and out, in and out of recovery. That could, five years wouldn't have worked, four years, one year. None of that would have worked for me. I needed every one of those, you know, bouts with drinking over the course of six more years after you know, I was told alcohol was going to kill me, lost my 90% of my pancreas, still drank for six more years, knowing how sick I had been. But it took that long and took everyone. There's no nothing that, oh, if I'd have done this, maybe I, you know, no, none of that. I needed all of that. So I've got to think the same for other people if that's what it took for me. So you would like to be able to say something that would change their life. But in reality, 
Um, I think your job is probably more to love them and to share, you know, share from your heart and, and have that intention, but not take the responsibility of getting them sober or getting them clean, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yes. And part of this chapter is that our, our suffering and our own misery comes from our desire for things to be different. Exactly, you know? Marla. And it's, yeah. we can change that misery. We don't have to suffer with that of desiring things to be different. They're not. They're not different. We can't make them be different. The kind person acts from the heart. Yeah. The, and accomplishes a multitude of things. The righteous person, now this is the levels of false spirituality is what I, kind of the tag I put on these. The righteous person acts out of pity, yet leaves many things undone. You know, they're concerned. The moral person acts out of duty, and when no one responds, will roll up his sleeves and use force. (laughs) That's just a spiral down. The road to hell paved with good intentions, right? So that's the spiral down. And we all do that in different areas of our life. You know, when people don't do what we want, we, we make it happen. So we yeah. do that in different areas. But the goal is to be the kind person and respond from, from this nature that we're becoming, this, this nature of love rather than this nature of fear this nature of presence rather than ego and learning how to respond from that instead. That's right, Craig. We cannot fix people. No, no matter how bad they need fixing, we cannot do it. And letting go of the attempt to do it really is a, is a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. Especially in, in fields where you're of service to other people. And, and where you see it firsthand, Kate, because you know, we've all been where those people are, you know, and we want, you want them fixed, but you do not have the ability to fix them in any way. You can just, you know, you can show them the, you know, you can lead them to the water, but you can't make them drink. Right. Right. It's an example so, of being, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of being constant in non-action. You, you're constantly there being for them, but you can't do it for them. Exactly. Thanks, Greg. That's good. Yeah, this, that's a perfect example of that. Uh, you, you, can, you have no ability to make them take something that they aren't willing to take at the moment. So it's, and, and not trying to, you know, not sticking their head in the water and trying to make them drink. <laughs> <laughs> Does it work? No. <laughs> Did you have something else, Kate? Does that – oh, Something else I would do with that, I would do a daily, in my meditation, I have a list of things that I'm learning to let go of and what I'm working on, and I, will, I would put something in my daily with that, uh, that uh, today I, uh, I am powerless over the meetings I lead, I, I surrender my care and my will about these meetings over to whatever you call your higher power. And I see me leading meetings with peace and with ease, something like that. Okay. And I would make that part of my daily meditation. And I would see that happening in my head. I would see, for me, I would see the meeting just going with ease, peace, everything flowing, and just leave it at that and let it go and let it float away. Okay. Do you work in a diary system, Kate? Do you have a, a physical diary in front of you? What, what I used to do is in my diary, I would always, I would have all my appointments I had to do. And at the bottom of the page, I would have anything that's not on this list I don't have to worry about today. Yeah, that's and good. That, that would keep me focused on that day. And it was, it really helped me to start with because it would keep me in that day and not worry about things that are going to happen next week, two weeks down the line. That is um, a good idea. If there, was, if, if there was something that was coming up, I would put a little a little note just to say, by the way, this is starting to come up. You might want to start getting prepared for it. But at the same time, I still don't need to worry about things. So maybe that might help. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. I like it. Yeah. Good. Let, let us know how it goes, Kate, if that gives you any relief. If not, we'll discuss it some more and come up with something else. <laughs> Thank you. Now, any any other issue? Now, was that the one thing that was eating your lunch, more or less? Or <laughs> uh, There's probably more, but that's good for now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get to the commentaries real fast, because I want to finish up this 37th today. <laughs> we can. I know. Uh, but that's good. We needed all of that. You know, we needed that. Yeah. Um, I'll just read in the in the Derek Lynn the hit one of his comments. Uh, in these situations, we can restore balance by applying poo, the principle of plainness and simplicity. The fundamental nature of the nameless Tao is plain and simple. The total absence of contrivance and complexity lessens the urge to overreact and moderate desires. In other words, keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. Yes. <laughs> keep it. Now, Marla, do you have uh, yeah. Wayne Dyer? Yeah. Um, should I just start with 37? So that check the paragraph. Yeah, that, that would work. Can you read the read his translation first, please? All right. Uh, what's his name? Wayne Dwyer's 37th verse of Living in Simplicity. The Tao does nothing but leaves nothing undone. If powerful men could center themselves in it, the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. When life is simple, pretenses fall away. Our essential natures shine through. By not wanting, there is calm, and the world will straighten itself. When there is silence, one finds the anchor of the universe within oneself. Transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. That's what we're after. Yep. He says you can find that by meditation. The 37th verse of the Tao Te Ching can also help you change the way you look at yourself. Let's say that you're accustomed to equating the idea of success with a take-charge kind of person. You believe that this individual allocates responsibilities to others because he or she is a leader who's willing and able to tell others what to do and how to do it. Well, this view is completely out of harmony with the Tao, which does nothing and leaves nothing undone. As you alter the way you look at your own power and success – you'll begin to replace strong desires with calm contentment. When you start to allow your true nature, which is the anchor of the universe, to shine through, you'll recognize that the way you look at things has absolutely changed. I've used this simplicity lesson in dealing with all of my children. When I step in and tell them how I create resistance, but when I bite my tongue, zip my lips, and retreat into silence, They not only figure it out themselves, but a calm energy replaces their frustration. I've learned that my kids know how to be, colon. They too have to anchor, they too have the anchor of the universe within them. They too are centered in the do nothing, get everything done Tao. They too have an essential nature that they're listening to. As I've gotten more adept at trusting this, not only for my children, but for everyone I encounter, I'm more peaceful. And guess what? More, not less, seems to get accomplished on time and without problems that used to surface because of my interference. Hold on right there, Mom. Let's talk about that for a minute. There's a lot in those couple of paragraphs. About when he steps in and he says, and tells his kids how he creates resistance, but when he bites his tongue, zips his lip, and retreats into silence, they not only figure it out themselves, but a calm energy replaces their frustration. Yeah, they learn how to trust their own instincts as well. Back to learning how to do this in everyday activities, that five-second pause, two-second pause, ten-second pause, before we respond, how many times if I took those few seconds and thought about what I was going to say, would I just not say it? 
pretty often. Comments? No, this is exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, alter the way you look at your own power and success. Leave room. Yeah. Leave space. Yeah. I think I think for me, um, because of my own experience of being a child um, with certain parents, um, despite my frustration at them being on holidays in the last couple of weeks, um, that letting them figure it out for themselves and being kinder to them is almost easier than being kind to and and being kind and generous and going with the flow myself. Um, So, for example, I've had to um, take my son off a certain computer game um, because he was he was getting actually physically affected by it. Um, and, and at nine, I didn't want him to develop unhealthy practices, shall we say. Um, and I made a comment, I let it sink in, and then made another comment, and we negotiated, and I explained the reasons why. And he has dealt with it in such... I mean, I'm astounded, absolutely astounded, by how he has dealt with it. Um, and yet I'm so hard and I'm sure I'm sure I'm not the only one I am so hard on myself um, and I expect so much more from myself than I do from my children and again it's that it's almost like you know learning changing that dialogue within yourself it's almost having that on your own self pause button and the ability to stop and say, I've actually, I've, I've got so much writing on my hands as like reminders from this meeting, like, you know, what I need to do. I think I might have them tattooed. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, because, because I can do it with my kids because I've had it done almost a way that didn't work for me. So I'm, I'm my patience with my children, because we were talking about patience right from the start, People often say to me, you are an incredibly patient person. Yeah, I am to everybody else. But when it comes to me, mm-hmm. you know, I want it now, I want it perfect. If it's not perfect, I'll beat myself up. Rah, 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 you know, well, I'm not, you know, I've started doing exercise. Why can't I lift an X amount of weights? Why can't I run as fast as I can run? You know, and it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, you know, as my as my sponsor once said to me, you are an addict of extremes. You are not just addicted to X, Y, and Z. You are addicted to everything. You want everything now, and you want everything to be perfect. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Um, but it's like almost the reversal of that process and being as kind to myself as I would be my children. Um, and that's hard. That's really, really hard, you know why people ple- people pleasing everybody else is really really easy but trying to please yourself is incredibly hard um <clears throat> so yeah i deal with that too kirsty <laughs> i am very i'm the hardest on myself i'm harder on me than anyone else absolutely that's that, yeah that's true very true for most of us i've had to just realize I'm exactly like I'm supposed to be today, whether I like it or not, <laughs> or whether I approve or not, does not matter. I, I always, I think if I ever talked to a friend the way I talk to myself, I would not have friends. Mm-hmm. So I stopped talking to myself like that. You know, when we start realizing we're not our body, right? That was a big, that was a big epiphany for me that this is not me. This is just a shell that I'm in. The real me is going to con- was before and will continue on. And when I realized that, I was I could be easier on me because I'm not perfect. I'm not going to do things perfectly, even in even in what I think I know is not perfect. I make more mistakes. Used to. I thought I did most things right and occasionally made a mistake. 
But what I've come to realize is I do most things wrong and occasionally do something right. <laughs> I do more things wrong than right. As we do. But that is life. And I think the flow of this is learning to accept that and be okay with it and watch it all unfold naturally and correct itself with, with no worry on my part, which is the huge release of effort is the unnecessary worry and stress and just letting it happen, letting it happen. My, my mistakes are corrected more than me thinking I'm doing the right thing. It's more of the correction of mistake. <laughs> and I, and I've laugh at it now and try to be okay with it. My sponsor that I have has taught me more about that than anything. It's just what it is. And he just laughs at it and goes on and has a great life. And I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to be right. I want to be okay when it's wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we should be. That's where the peace and joy is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Kirsty. You're right. Uh, this is so good. Let me read that. You want to go read on, Marla? Just one more paragraph. Okay. Um, cultivate your unique natural self. Practice allowing your essential nature to shine by not enforcing judgments on yourself that were imposed by others. Remind yourself that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be better than anyone else. You don't have to win. You don't have to be number one or number 27 or any other number. Give yourself permission to just be. Stop interfering with your unique natural being. Lighten the burden you carry to be productive wealthy, and successful in the eyes of others and replace it with an inner assertion that allows you to access the, access the Tao. Affirm, I am centered in the Tao. I trust that I am able to straighten myself out, and so is the world. I retreat into silence knowing that all is well. Very good. Very good. All be is well, all will be well. Yes. Be yourself because everybody else is taken. Exactly. <laughs> Love that one. <laughs> Anything else, guys, before we close? Are you good, Kate? Are you I'm good. good with all of that? Okay. Yeah. Guys, you go just go be it today. Just do it. Yeah. Just relax and be. Y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.